Hello, and welcome to our seventh episode of Naturally Educated. Woohoo, the seventh. We made yeah, it. Yeah, all We're right. Almost done. <laughs> Lucky number seven. So, yes, sir. So today we'll be looking into how to talk about environmental issues in the classroom. We'll also mm-hmm. be discussing the importance of sustainability at school. Cool. Finally, some local community initiatives we should know about. So our guest this week is the Director General of the Emirates Nature in association with the Worldwide Fund for Nature. That's ENWWF. It is Leila Abdelatif, who has been leading the environment organization since 2017. So you know, Abdelrahman, I'm running a bit of a lab at home. Mm-hmm. So my, my house is becoming a sort of experiment ground. And my wife is patient enough with me to allow, allow <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, your wife is probably a very, very patient person. <laughs> yeah. So it started when I realized, okay, I want to try and grow some vegetables and little things for our kitchen at home. Okay. And when you start, you know, getting your thumbs green, the first thing that comes <laughs> up is like, oh, I'm going to compost. I could do compost, right? That's I could like take the second some of, step. <laughs> yeah, that's the second step. First, you have to get some soil and actually get your fingers dirty. Uh-huh. And then when you have the seeds in the ground and you're waiting for them, you got to think of something else to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess composting. it's a waiting game with growing. It, well, it is. So <laughs> what do I do? I'm like, oh, I can compost. And then I start thinking like, oh, I could make my own compost. And we mm. probably have stuff that we throw away that I could compost. And that's that when I sense. started sorting our garbage. Ooh. So I did a little experiment. I was like, okay, let me take what we throw out in the day and let me take out everything that's compostable. So like fruit, peels, um, eggshells, um, paper, you know, that you can mm-hmm. recycle. And I start taking that out. Would you believe mm-hmm. I actually reduced our waste by a third at least wow a third right of it was it was house. kind of it was kind of crazy yeah wait don't, don't you have to so, sort of strike a balance between nitrogen and carbon, hey somebody's right? also been stuff. composting of course <laughs> <laughs> well that's exactly what i was thinking is there there's paper that we throw away as part of packaging and then it's mm-hmm. not the like plastic stuff but you know there's papers and then there's the the gardeners taking all these leaves away that are dry Well, yeah. that is is now carbon. It's your brown matter. And yeah. then there's all this fresh fruit. And and what I'm trying to say is a little bit of action at home suddenly had a major impact on what my household was producing as waste. And that got yeah. me thinking, what else can I fiddle with at home to change things? <laughs> so there's me getting an electric car. Then there's us changing our landscaping. Um, so last mm. year, we got together with a landscape designer who – basically helped us get rid of the lawn, the grass. Mm. And it's funny because as soon as we got rid of the grass and we redesigned it, not only are we using the garden more, mm-hmm. we have more functional space for it, and we use local plants, so my water bill has gone down. Oh, of course it would. Yeah, nice. I mean, transformational is a very small word for what, what happened in our garden. That's brilliant. You know, I was I was thinking about how I first sort of began to become more aware about the environment. Oh, tell uh, me. You've heard of the uh, Earth Hour. Yeah, of course. Every right? year. Exactly. So back in 2016 was sort of my first 
introduction to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I live in Abu Dhabi, so my um, in my surroundings there is something used to be something called Mazdar Institute. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, I know it. And they put out they, the institute themselves put out like a student gathering uh, okay. during Earth Hour, and so yeah. I said, you know what, let me just go. I, I looked uh, around the house and I saw my little sister. I told, listen, let's just go and uh, try something new. Okay. So we go together and we're in the middle of Mazda Institute, surrounded by other, you know, environmentally sort of focused um, master students. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I didn't even think about getting a master's in, in, in that field. But then that one one hour session that I sat with with all these different students, I gained so much knowledge into the environment, uh, how, how passionate they were about it. And mm-hmm. just through that interaction sort of change my perspective about it. And I actually, you know, ended up going to that same institute, pursued my master's, and ever Amazing. since then I was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for me, the big thing is when you've got people that can spark that initiative in you, and mm-hmm. and I think you, I think the biggest, the biggest challenge is everybody thinks they can't do anything about it, right? Yeah. That, that helplessness. Or thinking what little they do isn't going to make a difference. But I was I was trying, and I was sharing this on Instagram, but I was trying to show everybody if everybody did a little bit, that starts to multiply person to person to person to person. So uh, if everybody, you know, sorted their waste into, you know, what's biodegradable or compostable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus just throwing everything away um, – you'd have a huge difference in the way waste management was done in the UAE or in any country for that matter. No doubt, yeah. So Majid, actually, when we say we need to bring sustainability in the classroom, what does that really mean? Well, Abdurrahman, it's about including environmental projects within the education curriculum. We're trying to get younger students to grow up with sustainable knowledge embedded in them. These can be climate action projects, recycling schemes, growing sustainable plants in the school's garden, and many other ways of incorporating it. Mm-hmm. So why does it really matter if we bring them in the classroom or outside? Is there a particular importance? Well, first off, you're trying to raise awareness from a young age. It's really important because climate change is increasingly posing a major threat to humanity. And this is the environment these kids are going to live in in the future. Hmm. I wonder if this is linked to major issues like producing food in the future or living a healthy lifestyle and protecting Earth's biodiversity in general. You know, because we understand that government policies and technological solutions on their own are not really efficient, sufficient, sorry, to solve these challenges. And I guess maybe education will play a big role here. Exactly. Major changes are needed. And it all starts in the classroom. I've always been an advocate for education because that's where the, the solutions start. Schools have a central role to play in helping people understand the causes of climate change and preparing them to live with its impact as well and empowering them to take appropriate action to adopt more sustainable lifestyles. It helps create a healthier, fairer, and more environmentally sustainable society in the future, which is really important because the way things are going, we're, we're not really headed to a bright future. 
Yeah, that future. I heard uh, and read a lot about it. Um, and actually, there are some figures that I know um, in terms of effect the effects um, that climate change already had in the UAE itself. Oh, really? So yeah. Um, so the UAE, for instance, is already classified as one of the con- one of the countries in the world with the highest rate of vulnerability to the potential impact of climate change. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, um, which obviously means warmer weather, even warmer. Imagine, wow. <laughs> right? Well, even less rain, um, oh more God. droughts. I mean, that's that's mm. really serious stuff. And then finally, higher sea levels and more storms. Uh, that will wow. impact the UAE. So these impacts um, and the consequences that they have could be really damaging to our infrastructure, human health, and natural habitat. So imagine our desert, man, wow. like it will really impact us. Um, so, you know, needless to say, all the major cities in the country are located on the coast, right? Yeah. Which is nearly uh, 1,300 kilometers of coastline. Uh, you're talking about 85% of the population, 90% of the infrastructure. They are all located within meters of sea, you know, the sea level, basically. So all of that is pretty worrying. So that totally is. In 1996 and in 1998, the UAE also faced two catastrophic coral bleaching and mortality events, and that was associated with seawater temperature anomalies. We also have issues because of massive pollution, which heightens the effects of climate change. According to the UAE government, we also produce 80 tons per capita of greenhouse gas emissions. Now compare that to America, where you've only got 14 tons per person yearly. It really comes from mostly from cars. So the question is, who can help solve this problem? So that's a good question. And there are a couple of ways that... uh that you know, governments and, and government organizations can help solve this problem. You have, for instance, the UNESCO. Uh, they created something called the Sustainable and Climate-Friendly School Guide. Uh, this guide helped teachers take action within their schools. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean, often teachers are the only ones to lead the whole school projects within their yeah. schools um, with, you know, with you know whatever uh, resources they have, but with this guide, um, the UNESCO said, you know what, anyone can be a, a climate leader uh, in their schools. So you're talking about wow. teachers, administrators, uh, building managers, um, parents, or even janitors or workers in general are on the school, Amazing. Um, and and obviously student leaders. So this whole school approach uh, must involve people from all parts of the school community um, if they are going to succeed. At least that's the plan. So developing a school culture of sustainability means that student staff and parents hold shared values and beliefs about the importance of taking action for a more environmentally sustainable society. Oh, I've heard of many different examples. People can do that in the schools, actually. Huh. How so? Well, here are some examples. Students can brainstorm what bothers them at school environmentally and in the community. And if it's other people, plants and animals, what they can do to help change that. Parents can fill out a survey asking them about their beliefs and concerns related to environmental, social, and economic issues. You can organize film nights and workshops where students, parents, and teachers discuss ways of protecting the environment. 
You can get students to create sustainable arts and crafts and classes and using green materials in those classes as well. That's amazing. Um, all great ways to, to you know, sort of cr be creative about it. Um, mm -hmm. I've, al I've also heard about uh, other ways um, that this can happen in or out of the school grounds. You know, it's not necessarily related to schools, but, you know, students can build and maintain a school compost, for instance, or nice. even at their I house. I have one at home. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, I, I didn't know that you're a student, by the way. I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. but I do have compost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, also adults can, can compost. Uh, we, you know, they can interview local farmers to learn how climate change affects them. Um, plant an ecological garden for the school cafeteria. Nice. Which is pretty cool, I think. Yeah. Um, organize school trips or hikes to different areas across the country to see what uh, the environment looks like. You know, I think with, uh, especially with the COVID and, and so on, a lot of people mm -hmm. have been going to outdoor, you know, locations. Yeah. So, so that's a great opportunity there. You can measure the school's energy use. I think that's always interesting. Yeah, you can you can get in like the school's administrators to help out with that. Um, they can also do a local beach or park cleanup. I used mm -hmm. to, the, to do that all the time in the States, by the way, in the in yeah. university. Um, I mean, final idea is recycling the food and other items they use in the cafeteria at school. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Look, there are many schools already doing this around the world. A good example is the Green School in Bali. This campus structure is made out of bamboo. I don't know if you've seen it, but you should Google it. It's beautiful. Mm. And basically, bamboo is a very sustainable construction material. It has four classrooms, cafes, gym, and housing. And the school runs on clean energy as well. So they're using solar and a micro-hydro energy to make mm. the school energy efficient. And the curriculum also, obviously, focuses on sustainability. There's uh, Project Frog, at Watkins School in the U.S. So it's basically Project Frog is like a kit which helps schools become eco-friendly in the shortest time possible. So the school classroom is 50% recycled raw material. There are 60 solar panels on the roof. And so it produces more electricity than it needs. And the students are taught an environmental awareness. That's pretty cool. I like that, actually. Yeah. And then there are eco-schools from Denmark with campuses around the world, the largest global sustainable schools program. It starts in the classroom and expands to the community by engaging the next generation in action-based learning. So an example is basically they look at science, technology, engineering, and math through an environmental lens and its implementation in their indoor and outdoor classrooms. We also have examples in the Middle East where this is starting. In the UAE, the Sustainable Schools Initiative, or Al Madaras Al Mustadama, by the Environment Agency of Abu Dhabi, was in 2009 designed to reduce the UAE's ecological footprint and help move environmental education from awareness to action. It's for both public and private schools, and it helped new teaching and learning strategies for positive change in both student society behavior and for sustainable development. Mm -hmm. In Lebanon, the Lebanese Organization for Green Schools, or LOGS, has since 2015 had eco-friendly activities like training teachers on green practices and introducing environmental issues in the subjects they teach 
reorganizing the school's utilities and premises to make them less harmful to the environment, and assisting schools in establishing environmental clubs. That's pretty cool. Students are in charge of running their school's environmental club, and the club's activities go from planting trees, cleanup campaigns, building vertical gardens in the school court, mm-hmm. and showing environmental-related movies and documentaries. That's pretty cool, and uh, it's it's really a positive thing to see around the Middle East. Uh, countries are taking initiatives through school education uh, programs and so on. Um, actually, I found a report that uh, came out in 2019 called the Arab Forum for Environmental Development. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that report, there's a survey of school textbooks and curricula. So that's, that's I, I think it's pretty insightful. So that survey found that environmental topics in most popular, uh, sorry, that are most popular in Arabic schools yeah. are ecosystems. So the focus on ecosystems, nice. natural resources, pollution, go. and sustainable development. Right. So you have these topics that are fo- they focus on the most. However, yeah. and most critically, actually, climate change was absent and not discussed in around forty percent of Arab countries. Whoa. So that's that's a big amount, and it's a serious issue that I think they should, you know, countries should be talking more be and more about it. Absolutely. So the report recommends that big challenges facing the region, like water scarcity, desertification, drought, marine pollution, and dangers of sea level rise due to climate change, all of these have to become a central part of the curricula around the Arab countries. But there are efforts across the UAE in getting more young students to take part. So I heard of a British curriculum school in Dubai called Arbor School that has an ecological approach. Mm-hmm. So they incorporate real-world, project-based, place-based, and experiential learning whenever and wherever they can. They do this in field trips around the country or in their classrooms and even in the science and food tech labs. The school has six biodomes around the school grounds. One is a full tropical ecosystem. One is essentially a green playground. And one is an ecological makerspace where students develop critical skills. Some are dedicated to reading spaces and other are plant nurseries. It has learning gardens for children to engage in deeper understanding of their ecology and environment. Man, I want to go back to school. (laughs) <laughs> me too, man. Take me with you. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I'm sure our guest speaker today knows a lot about this topic as well. All right. So I'd like to turn to speak to our guest, Leila Abdelatif, who is the Director General of the Emirates Nature in association with the Worldwide Fund for Nature, the ENWWF. First off, welcome, Leila, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Majid. Thank you for inviting me to this conversation. I'm super excited. So I wanted to, just for our audience's sake, tell us a little bit about your role at the organization and what you do. Well, I've been with Emirates Nature WWF for around 11 years now, so quite some time. I'm the director general there. Uh, And what I focus on is really the operational side and ensuring that the impact that we have as an organization Uh, is at a very high level from a conservation perspective, but we're also really trying to engage civil society as much as possible, our youth, our corporate stakeholders, our government stakeholders, to get that conservation impact that's really required for change. Amazing. I'm so glad we have you here today. 
I wanted to target the conversation early on here a little bit on sort of primary education, about, you know, starting them young on these themes. Um, what are some of the more practical ways to integrate sustainability into an education system? And I'm here, I'm thinking less about textbooks and more about what students could be doing or an education system could be doing. Well, youth, as we're all aware, are a major part of the population, right? And they've got so much energy and passion to shape our future, to act as those ambassadors for sustainability, because at the end of the day, they'll be the ones that will have to bear the brunt of these environmental effects. And so it's really critical to make sure that that passion is brought in at an early age. Youth nowadays, but also really all of us, we tend to gravitate more towards a topic and truly want to learn about that topic when we have an experience around the topic. So for the, this podcast, for example, we're all here listening to the podcast because we're interested about the environment. We're interested about sustainability, about climate change, about what we can do to make a change. But that must have stemmed from something that happened at one stage in our lives where we had an experience in nature. And therefore, it's really important, it's critical that at an early age within primary education and beyond, that hands-on activity, engaging content, experiences in nature is what we're applying through our school and education program. With my kids, for example, I run these mini workshops called Messy Scientist Workshop. And it's all about getting them to experience science and build mini volcanoes and see the consequences of their actions. And from that, they've turned into these climate ambassadors where they're the ones really through positive action teaching people what to do, our extended family, how do you become those change makers? So schools and primary education can implement these concepts relatively easy, as long as they think outside the box, think innovatively, and make sure that kids are there interacting with nature and really allowing their curiosity to run wild. That does indeed sound very um, um engaging and very exciting as well. I mean, not only for the kids, even I got it, but, you know, excited and I, I wanted to participate in, in such projects. Um, you know, I, I know that we, we've talked earlier about the UNESCO and how um, they issued this guide where anyone, they, they mentioned how anyone can be a climate champion or a climate action champion within a school system. Um, I wonder, though, what are some of the other climate action projects that schools uh, overall can implement to help students get uh, along this journey? Well, there's a number of different projects that, that schools can get involved in, but I think it's really important that schools in the UAE are gaining that inspiration from the government entities, corporate entities, and NGO projects that are currently occurring. Because it's really important that when these students enroll projects for their students, they think about projects that not only embed the concept of learning, but also have true impact. Uh, and we're running actually a, a, a environmental change program. So it's champions of change, essentially, where we're encouraging mm -hmm. people to get out there and to be those citizen science on the ground. Uh, we're doing a couple of projects as Emirates Nature WWF, but also with our partners. And that provides that on the ground volunteering experience for youth to get involved in. For climate change projects, it's as simple as really uh, being those behavior activists in a way, whether it's participating in projects and, and campaigns such as Earth Hour, but it's also about being involved in projects that monitor 
components such as air pollution and other metrics that are really important for our authorities to, to keep track of and analyze over time. Well, that brings me to things like our own sort of local environment issues. And I was wondering how can or are, if they are, being brought into the classroom today? I think many schools are now starting to focus on sustainability, not only about reducing their own footprint and conserving energy, but leading their students by example towards these more eco-friendly lifestyles. And these local environmental issues can be brought into the class through a couple of ways. It's really about integrating it into their education program. This can be through class debates, through short informative videos, documentary screenings, but also by getting students involved in practical environmental activities. You know, we launched this program with the environment agency Abu Dhabi called Connect with Nature. And it's really focused around getting youth mobilized in nature, giving them activations where they explore nature and they're able to understand the threats in nature and what are the solutions that they can uh, really uh, input into government and corporate strategies to make a real change. And during the lockdown, we ran a series with the Environment Agency Abu Dhabi called the Reimagine Series, where we had youth from different universities, from different schools tune in, uh, and they had these one-on-one -on -one conversations with our ministers, with our corporate leaders, where they were highlighting what are their priorities for the environment in a post-COVID-19 world? And what are those innovative solutions that they would like to integrate into government and corporate strategies? So there's a lot of ways for schools to integrate this sort of ideation, incubation, discussions with our government and corporate leaders where students are not only discussing the topics, but they see how their input has been directly integrated into strategies at an Emirate and federal level. And then by default, they're able to act as those citizen science through opportunities provided by the Environment Agency Abu Dhabi, by other entities, really being involved in their conservation projects on the ground. Yeah, that sounds great. I actually have to say I joined the Connect with Nature um, initiative earlier when it was introduced, I think 2019. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it to be uh, an environment ambassador, but it's okay. Maybe uh, next, you know, other opportunities. Will, will You're up. hosting a podcast. <laughs> I mean, you're pretty, doing pretty <laughs> <Exactly>. well. <laughs> well, you have a point. You're definitely you point. leading the change already. Inshallah. Um, so I'd like actually to shift our focus to talk more specifically about both the secondary education and higher education. Um, when it comes to, you know, uh, pursuing a certain education, what you know? Why is it important to integrate sustainability education in all different majors and disciplines? From from your perspective, well, environmental education and sustainability is such an interdisciplinary subject, right? And incorporating environmental themes into various school subjects or majors, college degrees, it's extremely important. It's a global issue. It relates to every human being and every aspect of life. And every single person living on this planet has this responsibility to protect our home and preserve it for the future. And the reality is that a lack of sustainability knowledge is one of the greatest threats to our environment at the moment. So it's extremely critical that this is integrated across everywhere. Now, if you look at, at college majors, the good news is that they're already very much relate to sustainability. So, for example, any business major would already 
focus on the topic of sustainability because we know that business organizations who implement sustainable practices, they gain that competitive edge. They increase their market share and they boost their shareholder value. If you look at another degree, such as architecture, sustainability is extremely integral to architecture, right? Because it's not only about uh, creating a building. You want your buildings to represent that large amount of energy and, and emission reductions. And so becoming an architect also goes into creating sustainable design, urban planning, that slowly will move cities into a greener direction. So integrating sustainability across all these subjects in both secondary education and in university, in majors in college, will move people towards realizing that whatever they choose to do, sustainability will and has to be central to every decision that they make. It needs to be integrated into their decision making. And that is what will help us make a change collectively. I see that um, a lot of these initiatives are already taking place. And a lot of, for instance, universities and you know high schools are taking um, action to, to sort of educate their students. Um, and I guess what comes with that is the importance of personal interest. And, you know, people have to sort of push for, you know, themselves um, to, to be more environmentally aware. And, you know, it's not one or the other. It has to go you know, hand in hand. A hundred percent. It does have to go hand in hand and it fosters this positive change, right, um, in society. Because once you've made that behavioral change, you're, it's almost a domino effect, right? You want to be able to create your own communities of action and you want to be able to influence the people that are closest around you. And, and that's what we've seen, that when sustainability is, is integrated into our education systems, this change is happening and it's happening quite fast and it's beautiful to see because people are, are now understanding that every choice we make has a consequence and that it's up to us to make that right choice. And so it enables students to better understand the impact of our lifestyle, of our consumption habits, our attitudes, our values on the environment and how to alter them to become more sustainable. If I look at my kids, for example, with these workshops, right, they're, they've become these mini activists where they're encouraging the extended family to, to follow suit. So it really does have uh, a profound benefit uh, in the long run. And Leila, what are you seeing maybe as an example in the wider reach of what the Emirates Nature WWF has when we're talking about that sort of fostering positive change? What what have you seen in the time you've been there um, as feedback from the society, as it were? You know, this the Connect with Nature program, which I highlighted earlier in partnership with EAD, what was beautiful for us to see was that there, with the spur of COVID-19, all of a sudden there was this massive flip, right? And our youth really wanted to be part of that change and they wanted to drive and build a nature positive future. And through our matchless discussions with youth during the pandemic, they told us loud and clear that they as a society care deeply about being part of an active civil society, which values and takes care of our planet, right? And it wasn't just yeah. talk. It was this interest to really directly integrate their feedback into strategies. It was this ask for wanting to be involved as citizen science on the ground. And it's something that as Emirates Nature, WWF, as EAD, we're really trying to offer these opportunities uh, as much as possible to scale that impact. And I'm, I'm really excited because in the upcoming months, we'll have a lot new uh, exciting projects that we'll be launching, inshallah, 
uh, for mm. youth to to really be a part of that change. Because after COVID-19, what we've seen is we don't have a choice. It's not about us as an NGO implementing projects, our government partners, our corporate partners. If we want to make a change, we need millions of people to be involved. And we need of to course, stop talking and- about it and, and do it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when it came, when it comes to COVID, um, you know, the, the thing that we we should uh, recognize is that a lot of the environmental initiatives sort of took a back seat because there was a maybe a bigger problem to focus on. Um, however, how, how has it changed? Like, you know, from 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 before COVID and the focus on climate change during COVID as we speak, has there been a big change or has it been still, you know, a similar uh, intensity, let's say. I think there's been a massive change. And really, you can only talk about a pre-COVID world and post-COVID world, right? Or, or what we're going yeah. through now. And what COVID-19 has brought is really that realization that human health is dependent on the health of our planet and the need to take action in protecting our ecosystems now, right? I think people are moving away from the perception of, oh, you're working on the environment, you must be a tree hugger, right? I mean, they understand... <laughs> The link between, you know, it's our survival. So what I do in my job and what a lot of people who are working on the environment do in their jobs is we're helping to, to ensure that the survival of our generations, right? By maintaining our, our habitats and our resources that we depend on for our survival. It's not about a tree hugging exercise at all. So I think it's, it's definitely switched the perception. Uh, and, We've seen that schools and universities have also picked up sustainability, integrated them more in their curriculums, uh, but they want opportunities and ways to get involved in the field. So it's not only about upskilling youth, it's about getting them involved in ideating their solutions, their innovative ideas, but then very importantly, followed by acting on the ground, acting as nature volunteers, acting as change makers on the ground as citizen science, helping us collate this information, analyze critical science-based information, and then really implement those conservation-based solutions that are not only related to impact in the UAE, but also have a global impact. We've moved away from, you know, we live in the UAE and we're working on the UAE, or we live in Abu Dhabi and we're working in Abu Dhabi. Everything has that domino effect, and we're one planet, right? We're one global population. Of course. And people are realizing that now. Well, in terms of understanding that impact, how is sustainability educating really improving the bottom line? I think firstly through individual lifestyle choices and demands. Uh, Sustainability education, it helps push individuals to make those right lifestyle choices. With sustainability education becoming more of a focus within schools, we see that it's massively millennials who are willing to pay that premium for sustainable products and associate themselves with businesses that are more socially responsible corporate practices. And with sustainability education altering behavior and helping drive more sustainable consumption habits, values, and attitudes, it can only help to positively power businesses towards that market transformation becoming greener than ever, right? And increasing in sustainable preferences, purchases will help drive the market supply. So it's had a massive impact from that perspective. Uh, and, and that's the way the future is going, right? It's, it's really all about market mm. transformation. Speaking as a millennial, I, w- I feel very proud at this point <laughs> about, you know, us 
focusing more on sustainability. Um, I have to say when, when, you know, I started to rethink some of the uh, aspects of my life that, that could improve and be more sustainable. Um, I talked to my mom, for instance, and I asked her um, whether we can eat more veggies within our diet. And that was quite a difficult thing to sort of introduce. But within a couple of months, uh, we started changing our habit as a family and started eating more green and, and you know, healthier food. Exactly. It has that domino effect, right? And it takes mm-hmm. one person who's a little bit headstrong to make the change and, and the family follows <laughs> suit. So it's a good job on you for that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> If if we're going to look at now how these changes are coming into play, I wonder what what's your opinion or your view on what is the future of sustainability in schools anyway? I think it needs to be outside of schools. So in schools, but outside schools. It's really about taking uh, our youth out in nature, building those experiences, but having them on the ground, supporting real citizen science conservation projects. Uh, as Emirates Nature WWF, we will be launching an extracurricular uh, activity in the upcoming months, COVID-dependent, inshallah, with a number of our different partners, which is all, again, about uh, offering some of those opportunities. But it's it's important that it's integrated into our learning, but it's also taking them outside, right, and getting them as exposed uh, as humanly possible, because that's where the magic happens. You need the experience. Mm-hmm. Uh to, to build the passion and, and to build your foundation. Definitely. And it's more exciting. I mean, what is more, more exciting to a kid than, than getting out of the classroom and jumping in some, you know, park or something? Exactly. For me, the big thing has always been about, you know, exposure to youth, to my kids, basically, as well, to as much nature, um, to a, build that appreciation and also understand its worth more. Um, and I completely echo uh, your, your point there where... We can't keep turning to the school simply, you know, for education, but also that it, that education happens outside the school system uh, so for sustainability, especially. Uh, it needs to become this ubiquitous subject across all all of our conversations, if you will. Leila, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Um, it was super great to have you. Thank you, Majid and Abdurrahman. And I'd like to thank the Environment Agency of Abu Dhabi for, for really taking the lead on this very important conversation. So thank you. Thank Thank you. you. And thanks everyone for listening. You can also hear the rest of our discussion on the environment and other episodes. So make sure to subscribe so you don't miss those either. This is Majid Al-Qasmi. And Abdurrahman Zabi signing out. Bye guys. Bye guys.